Hey everybody, we are still celebrating over here at She Heals the World because if you haven't heard, we have launched our new Coach Training School Master Coach. It is our year-long academy where you will become certified as a success coach and be able to use the power of coaching in any industry health, wellness, relationships, money, finance, etc. And so if this is something that interests you, we encourage you to go to shehealstheworld.com forward slash freebie so that you can attend the free informational session, How to Become a Coach. Today's guest, we are super excited to feature. Her name is Keisha Rice. So Keisha is a dating coach, and she's not here to just talk about her business as a dating coach. She's also here to give you some tips on how you can find time to date as a busy woman entrepreneur. So if you are single, ladies, this one is really for you. But if you are married like me, she also gives us some tips on how to keep the fire going in our relationships. And so I really would love for you to tune into this episode. Keisha Rice has been such a breath of fresh air. She was really fun on this episode, and I think that you're going to enjoy a lot of what she has to offer. So tune in. She's coming up right now. Welcome to the She Heals the World talk show with Dr. S, the place to hear stories of heart-driven women creatively living free. Our episodes highlight conversations and insights that support the values of self-care, creative and personal freedom, slower living, happiness, health, and wellness to help you live your absolute best life. To be a part of the movement and join the conversation, step inside our free Facebook group, She Heals the World, and say hello. It brings me great joy to bring you our next episode. Keisha Rice is a dating coach and founder of The Cherished Method, Keisha helps successful women learn how to attract quality men without compromising their values, identity, or sanity. As the daughter, sister, and niece of preachers, Keisha understands what it's like as a Christian woman to balance a conservative upbringing with a modern hookup culture. And as a two-time Emmy-nominated journalist, Keisha knows the challenges of being ambitious while maintaining your femininity. Welcome to the show, Keisha. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. Yes, absolutely. So tell me about your background. How did you even get started in this work? I had a very circular path <laughs> to mm. becoming a dating coach. Ever since I was four years old, I knew that I was going to be a journalist. I started out, you know, with my own little newspaper that I created in kindergarten and had a circulation of like 20 people. So I was very proud of that. <laughs> and I just knew that that was the right path for me. And my dad was like, that's absolutely not what's not going to happen. My dad is a preacher, by the way. He was like, mm. you come from a whole family of ministers. You are meant to be in ministry. I just know it. That is, that's what you're meant to do. So, you know, I go through school. I, of course, major in journalism. And during that time, I also had an interest in psychology that developed around that time. So I was taking psychology classes around the same time, not really planning on doing anything with it. <laughs> mm. And I go into journalism. I go from local station to local station. I'm moving up the ranks. I end up getting a job as a producer at a national TV network. I end up being nominated for two Emmys. Career is going awesome. You know, everything that I had planned for. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I am traveling around and I'm posting pictures on Instagram. 
this woman messages me and she's like, your life is so amazing and you just really inspire me. Have you ever considered being a life coach? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she and I talk and I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I should consider this. So I look into it, I get my certification. And again, I had a very successful career. So I was like, okay, this is what I need to be doing. Success coaching, how you achieve your goals. Mm. And women kept coming to me saying, can you give me advice on relationships? Can you talk to me about dating? Like I'm having issues with that. And I was like, no, like I'm a, I'm a success coach. This is not mm -hmm. what I do. So I kept getting those questions and I would answer them. And women were referring me to other women with, she gives such great dating and relationship advice. You, mm -hmm. you need to talk to her. <laughs> yeah. And so, so yeah, I start moving into that and particularly helping women who, I say Christian women, but I also have clients who just grew up in more conservative backgrounds and they have a hard time with managing those values and merging those with, let's be honest, our, our culture nowadays is a lot of hooking up and, and that type of thing. So yeah. lo and behold, I became a dating coach and a spiritual dating coach at that. So, you know, it is a ministry, just like my dad predicted. So what has been your greatest win, Keisha, since you started this business? You know, my greatest win has been, especially in terms of mindset, I think a lot of business owners struggle with imposter syndrome. Mm, yes. So for me, one of the reasons why I became a dating coach was because I never had any issues with attraction, with going on dates or, or having boyfriends, but I had a lot of issues with finding a healthy relationship. I was in relationships that were incredibly toxic. Some were downright abusive and healing myself from that pain. Mm. And then, you know, showing other women how to do that. Yeah. For a while, there was there was this idea in my head that was, who am I to help these women? Mm. Like, you know, I chose badly so many times. I, I made all these mistakes. You know, I did all these things. Who am I to help these women? And God told me, well, that's the point. You know, mm. yeah. <laughs> your story is meant to heal other women. You didn't go through this pain for nothing. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I would say that is that is my biggest win when women reach out to me and they say, I, I heard your story or you you posted something or you sent an email about an experience that you went through. And I just want you to know that that's the situation I'm in now. And you are helping me so much. I, I never knew that there was another side to this. I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel until you talked about it. Mm. You know, you bring up such a good point there. And I know we're going to talk about these tips for how do you find time as someone who's interested in, in dating. But I do have to have to ask you, because you mentioned trauma and you talked about kind of realizing that you were worth it. You are worth having a healthy relationship. And I'm just wondering if you have a message for those women out there right now who find themselves in a relationship that is not really aligned to who they are. Um, maybe it's not as extreme as an abusive situation, but 
maybe it's just holding them back and it's not up to their fullest potential. So what is your message for those women who are kind of struggling with what is next for them? I would tell them, first of all, that it's not their fault for feeling that way. Because, you know, I alluded to this earlier, the idea that when I first went into business, I had some family members say, well, why would you do that when you already have a stable job? Mm. A lot of times when we grow up in situations that are less than ideal, we have a tendency to develop this at least syndrome. So I may hate this job, but at least it pays the bills. Mm. You know, this man may not be the sweetest man in the world. He may not be the nicest, but at least he's taking care of the household. Yeah. This man may not have a job, but, and I may be paying for everything. And yes, he may be using me, but at least he's nicer to me than my last boyfriend. Mm. We develop a lot that of at least, people. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to get past this whole idea of at least. And for me, one of the things that I did was I started writing it down. What would my ideal relationship look like? Mm. And I started picturing like how I would feel in that relationship, how my partner and I would relate to each other, the way that he would treat me, the way that that our days would be like. And I started looking through it and I was like, am I asking too much? Mm. And I came to the conclusion that no, like yeah. I, I dated a lot of guys who were jerks um, in my past. <laughs> so it got to the point where, you know what, being nice is basic human decency. That's not a lot to ask for in a man. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we kind of talk ourselves out of dreaming and going for what we really want, even when it's at its basic level? And I can even, and not to take us off topic, because I do want to hear what else you have to say here. It's so important, but I can relate to this from the business standpoint. When I ask women to dream about their ideal business and how many people they want to be impacting and how much they want to make. And women are so um, nervous about even saying they want to make $80,000 a year. And I'm like, you deserve at least that. I mean, my goodness, you're not asking for a million dollars tomorrow. And so it's just so interesting how value and self-worth plays out in so many different areas in our life. It plays out in our business. It plays out in our relationships and with our partner. I mean, to say that you are asking God to send you someone who is kind and to almost feel nervous about making that proclamation, it just, it says so much, you know, we try to be so um, conservative and modest with our dreams. And, and I think that that puts us at a disadvantage sometimes. Yeah, for me, that was one of the reasons why writing it down was so vital. Because yeah. when I looked at it on paper, I was like, I'm asking for things that are not a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking for a man who is nice. I'm asking for a man that I enjoy his company. Um, I'm asking for a man who wants to partner with me and contribute to building a good life and a good household. I'm not even, you know, I'm not even being a gold digger and asking for a man who has three 
billion dollars and all these mansions and all. I'm asking for a man who works with me and we can build each other up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why is this a lot? Why is this a lot to ask? So directing them to start with the list. And so kind of like making that dream list, not just for your life, but for your partner and, and who you want to kind of call in and attract to your attract to your world. Yeah. Yeah. And I do that now with my business as well. I think when you actually see your goals down on paper, mm-hmm. they start to become a lot more realistic. Mm. Hmm. So the way to put that into action, do you recommend that those women, once they have their list, are you the kind of gal that coaches them on kind of going to networking events and meeting people and like going, going on dating apps or are you, is your approach more like work on yourself and put yourself in the right environment and you'll attract that person to you? Like what is your advice for those women once they make that first step? So you mentioned in the beginning of the show that I'm the founder of what's called the Cherish Method and that is part of it. Mm. The first part of the Cherish Method is cleanse and that is not only getting clear on what you want, but is also when I work with a woman, the first thing that we have to do is go back in the past and talk about those limiting beliefs that you develop. Talk about, you know, the past hurts, those bad relationships, those toxic situations that you've been in, not only with romantic partners, but with family, with friends. You may have been bullied in school, learning how to get past those things, learning how to heal from those things and forgive. And then we get into how to attract a partner and how to put yourself out there because, you know, there are dating coaches that will teach you how to go on more dates and that's all well and good. But the fact is, is that if you haven't gotten the mindset stuff together first, Mm. if you haven't really and truly healed from your past first, you're going to go out and meet men and you may meet decent men, but you're going to continually push them away because you haven't worked through these issues within yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, does age matter with this? Do you find that the the work is different for women who are just coming out of college as opposed to women who may be a little bit later in life? Or is it the same process? I would say not age matters, but experience matters. Okay. Right. You know, I have worked with women who are in their 20s and have dealt with domestic violence situations. Mm -hmm. I have worked with women who are late 30s, early 40s, and they've only dated one or two men and those relationships were okay. They just, you know, they just fizzled out or, or the man just decided that he wanted to date someone else. But there wasn't true trauma in the relationship, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And for those women, it might be more childhood issues that are keeping them from having the relationships that they want to have. So mm-hmm. it's definitely more a matter of experience than it is age. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this was important for us to kind of lay the groundwork to, to, to bringing these tips on when it comes to finding time to date. And so for all the listeners, if this is you and if this is speaking to you, 
Um, you know, hear what Keisha just said about the importance of doing the inner work first, of getting clear, getting clear, just like you would in your business where you get clear on your desires and you get clear on how much income you need to bring in to live the life that you want. This is getting clear on the kind of partner that you want to have in your life. And then from there, working through some of those past experiences and traumas that you may have had so that you are healed when you're ready to kind of attract that into your life. But now I think it's the perfect segue to go into the time. So these are busy women. And so if they've done that groundwork, how do they find the time to do this? And I would say that there are three things that I see that hose women all the time. Because as ambitious women, as women who are high achievers and who have a lot going on in our lives, we will intend to do things to death. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, you've heard the phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. So when you intend to date more, the best thing that you can do is to put it on a calendar. So if you're single, this means saying, hey, I am going to go on the meetup app and join a couple of groups. And I'm actually going to attend a couple of events. And -hmm. I'm going to put those events on my calendar. I'm going to look at events on Facebook that might seem interesting to go to. And I'm going to put going to the event on my calendar. I am going to go to this networking event and it is going to be on my calendar. Not, oh yeah, it's today is Monday there's something happening Saturday that sounds interesting. And then Sunday comes and you're like, oh yeah, there was an event yesterday. (laughs) Right. Put it on your calendar. And when you're in a relationship, my husband and I schedule time together because otherwise date night doesn't happen if it's, if it's not scheduled. Yeah. It just doesn't, (laughs) you know, we will intend to spend time together and he's been working. I've been working and our time spent together is we both crash on the bed and nap. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so we have to schedule that time. And the second thing that I would say is having an accountability partner. Mm. And, you know, we talk about it's funny. We talk about accountability in other areas of our life. So when you are religious, whether that is Christian, Muslim, Hindu, whatever, you talk about having someone who keeps you accountable to praying or to meditating or going to church or synagogue or mosque when it's in business, how often do we get into these masterminds just for the sake of accountability or we hire a coach just for the sake of accountability? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your dating life should be no different. Have a friend and a friend who is the type who has no problem speaking her mind who will say things like, hey, you said that you made dating a priority for you this year. When was the last time you went out to meet someone? Mm. When was the last time you went to an event? Mm. You know, I have married friends now who will ask me, hey, when was the last time you and your husband went to dinner together? Mm. You know, having that accountability is great because sometimes you get caught up, you get busy, and then someone reminds you, you're like, oh, yeah, this was something I made a priority in my life, and I'm going to recommit to that. Yeah. And then the third thing is... I teach women in general how to set boundaries within a relationship. But 
we need to talk about boundaries in our entire life. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you're single, how this looks is telling your friends and family members, hey, I am really committed to making this the year that I meet my partner. I am really committed to putting myself out there more. I am committed to meeting new people because sometimes your family members will even try to give you excuses and they'll be like, oh, no, girl, that's fine. We know that you're shy. We know that you don't really put yourself out there. Like, that's cool. The right man will magically find you someday because you'll be a Disney princess and he'll just show up in your bedroom one night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, So being clear with family members and saying, hey, I have set aside Saturdays as the day where I go out and meet people, whether that is I go to an event, I go to a networking event, or if a guy asks me out, I schedule those dates on Saturdays. So if you're having this thing on a Saturday, I may not make it because I have committed to this and setting that boundary so that when people come to try you, because they will, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you could be like, you know, I love you, but we've already talked about this. Mm. Yeah. It's so funny that you bring up that perspective from the family, because I have some friends now, mind you, you know, my girlfriends and a lot of my clients, they're 30 plus. And so if they're still single, um, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a different conversation with the family. It's, I would almost say it's almost of a, a, a less nice conversation where family members are more likely to say, when are you going to get married? Or when are you going to give me some babies, some grandkids or whatever the case is? And they find themselves dreading going out and dating and meeting new people because they have so much pressure on them from their family. It's like their family took the joy out of it. And they want to find somebody. They want to find a partner. They may want to get married. They may or may not want to have children, but they still like just cannot get over this negativity around it because of, you know, the nosy grandma or, you know, whoever else, the nosy aunt or whoever else in their family. Right bugging them. So what would you say to those women? Because I've run out of advice. I kind of say ignore them, but (laughs) it doesn't work all the time. So what's your advice, Keisha? (laughs) Back to boundaries again. Mm. So now we're talking about a whole new set of boundaries. So when I was single, I had some issues with, um, I mentioned to you, I come from a family full of ministers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I had some church folks try to set me up with sons of ministers. So I I get the idea. I get the concept that Mm. we could get together. We could form our little uh, ministry dynasty because they came from a minister family. I came from a minister family. Maybe he would become a preacher himself because obviously it's about the man becoming a preacher, not a woman. Um, (laughs) And all that conversation. (laughs) And, you know. We would get together, we'd get married, we have, you know, three kids and a dog, and the three kids would be all up in the church themselves, and we live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell family members and church members, you know, they would try to set me up with a certain guy, and I'd say, hey, I'm not interested, point mm-hmm. blank period. Like, I'm, I'm not interested in this guy. He's mm-hmm. very nice. I'm sure he's cool, but I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, there were times that people would be upset with me and they wouldn't like me saying that. Mm. (laughs) And I just had to repeat that line. And also when it came to dating and when it also came to, let's be real, some of us have people who are in our lives that are toxic that we make the decision to break from. And sometimes those people happen to be related to us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) So in that situation, I I made the decision to separate myself and distance myself from certain family members. I also made the decision to, at one point, not really allow family members and, and even some friends to really get involved in my love life. And I started using the phrase, this is not up for discussion. Mm, That's a strong phrase. And you need a lot of confidence (laughs) to to say that. So I'm going to commend you from here for even like being able to utter it because it feels like there's so much power behind that. And I can already feel women like getting so nervous about saying something that's so powerful. But that is such a powerful thing to say. This is not up for discussion. And it sets the boundary right there. Yeah. And, you know, I had to, I had to work my way up to that. So mm. it, it started with, hey, I don't really want to talk about this. Mm. And some people would back off right there. <laughs> but there's always one. <laughs> and then I would say that. And there were some people who weren't respecting that. So then it became an... I love you, but this is not up for discussion. (laughs) Mm, And some people only wanted to hear the I love you part. So after a while, you have to get, you have to just get bold about it. And yes, people will not like that answer. People will get upset with that answer. And I think that that is really important that you kind of gear yourself up for that mentally. The idea that you are going to get backlash. (laughs) Mm. You are going to have people who get highly offended by you saying something about that. And you're going to get even people who really and truly love you and care for you and only want the best for you. Some of those people will still get ticked off, but the ones who really truly love you and care, they come back around. Yes. Yeah. You know, I remember having one of those discussions one time with my mom Mm-hmm. So talking about talking about it being difficult, and she was not happy, but she and I eventually sat down and talked things out. And she said, "Hey, I still disagree with you. I want to make that clear, and I still think that you're going about this the wrong way. But this is also your life, and I respect that." Mm. Hmm. I do want to get your opinion on dating apps because I feel like that is like the hot topic of today. And people are saying, you know, traditional dating is out the door and everybody's on apps now. And I, I mean, for someone who's in this space, I would love for you to share your perspective with our listeners on what you think about, about dating apps. And if that's the easiest way for them to to get out there. Well, if you feel like, everyone is on a dating app, then you are right. (laughs) I I posted this on Instagram, I believe, not too long ago, that Stanford University had done a study that dating apps, online dating, was now the number one way that people are meeting their future partners. It is something around close to 40% of people in relationships have met their partners somehow online. 
So when I say online, I'm talking about an online dating site, social media, or a dating app. Wow. So yeah, you know, when, when women tell me that they don't want to meet anyone online, I say, with all due respect, (laughs) it's something you have to consider. And I'm not saying that you won't meet someone through family or friends or at a restaurant or in school or someone that you work with. Leave all of those open as possibilities. But there's a good chance that your partner's online. So it's definitely something you should consider. Mm. So my thing on, on dating apps and any type of online dating is that, one, you should definitely give it a shot. Definitely consider it. And two, you have to focus on the fact that meeting someone online is just that, meeting someone online. You know, a lot of us are familiar with TV shows like uh, Catfish on MTV. Oh, yeah. And that scares a lot of people from getting on a dating app. Like, people are traumatized from that show. I love that show, by the way. It's so it's So do so- I. <laughs> you see on Catfish dating relationships that have carried on for years online you know back when I was single I did the online dating thing and if a man couldn't meet me in person within the first six six weeks then Mm -hmm. I was no longer interested that's true that's true yeah meeting someone online is to meet them online you need to get to know them offline Mm -hmm. and that goes back to value and self-respect and all of that, like really knowing that you are worth it. You are worth having somebody fly in to see you or being able to say, hey, I'm going to video chat you and give you my undivided attention for the next hour. You're, you're worth that. And I do find that a lot of folks who, and it's not everybody because some people try and it doesn't work, but a lot of the people on that show and who make it you know, quote unquote catfish, they have very low self-esteem and they feel like they're not, they're not worthy. Um, And so it is, it goes back to your first few points. Definitely. Right. Back to that whole at least syndrome. Well, I can't see him in person, but at least he is being nice to me. At least he's having conversations with me. Yeah. Someone giving you the time to meet you in person is again, a basic. Yeah. And if you can't accept that for yourself, think about if you were giving that advice to a friend. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Keisha, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge with our listeners and with kind of giving all of these golden nuggets. I'm sure they are changing hundreds, of, even thousands of lives. And so I'd love to know now that you're established, you're in your business, you have clients, you're leading this work. If you could look back and give your 10-year younger self any piece of advice, what would it be? My younger self used to be so afraid of losing friends, Mm. of upsetting people, of just having someone not like her. And if I could give advice to her, I would say, guess what? People are going to not like you. Like, I, I get hateful comments all the time online. Like, I have friends who are new business owners, and they'll say, Keisha, what do you do about people who make hateful comments? And, like, ignore it, because those people are trolls, and they want attention. Right. I, I refuse to give them the attention that they want. Um, people are always going to hate you, but think about traffic. The middle of the road is where you get killed. Mm-hmm. You got to stand for something. Right. Let, let it be you. 
Right. So, so be yourself and know that you will attract people who hate you and you will also attract people who love you fiercely and who will do anything for you and who absolutely adore you for the person that you are. Yes. How can our audience find you, Keisha? How can they get your advice, read your posts, support your work, drop your links for us? Okay, well, so if any woman were interested in working with me, I do have a free class online right now that talks about the shifts that single women have to make in order to become the cherished woman who attracts quality men. And I'll give you the link to that if you want to share it. But mm. also, I'm on social media all the time. So facebook.com slash Rice. And I'm on Instagram at Keisha Rice. And my name is spelled K-E-S-H-I-A. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Keisha. It was a pleasure to have you. And I hope you come back sometime soon. <laughs> of course. Well, there you have it. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. And as always, for more resources, as you continue to live out your beautiful mission of healing the world and grow your beautiful business, you can head to www.shehealstheworld.com forward slash freebie to see what new resources I have in store for you. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. And I can't wait to see you at the next episode.